Hello, and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today's podcast number 1,870. The topic is training, and the title is, Do Muscles Grow From the Pump? (laughs) If you don't know what the pump is, that's when you're doing bodybuilding-style work. You take short rests, use moderate weights, and you create like a burning sensation in the muscle But you take such short rests that you don't really let that burning sensation go away. So maybe you do a set of, um, you know, bicep curls. Uh, You would do maybe 10 reps where you leave one or two reps in the tank. So you didn't go all the way to failure. You stopped before you got good form failure. But you only take 30 seconds. Rest. Then you try the same weight. Maybe you can only get eight before the muscle's burning. Then again, you take 30 second rest. You try the same weight. You try it again. Maybe you only get seven. And the muscle's screaming at this point. You take another 30 second rest, use the same weight, try again, maybe you only get four. (laughs) So the pump is when the muscle is so uh, full of fluid that it feels like you're like swole. (laughs) So you think about before you went on a date, you would like do some push-ups or uh, I don't know what the girl equivalent, you'd squat to get your glutes to pump, (laughs) whatever you might do. Um, But you do some type of movement to get uh, the muscles swollen, pumped up, and that's what the pump is. So if we were to, quote-unquote, chase the pump, uh, that would be what you're trying to do is create a, a fullness sensation in the muscle that has a lot of, like, burn to it. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, if you ever watched like Pump and Iron, he has a, a funny commentary, I'll leave it at that, uh, about the pump, and that's where... Most people, if they talk about the pump now, they're probably referencing, you know, that, uh, whether directly or indirectly. But a client of mine who is a personal trainer, I'm helping them with training and nutrition for themselves. And then we just kind of talk about concepts that they use for their clients. We're working on building what we are calling a social media friendly physique. What this means is they want to look good in their videos. They want to have wide shoulders, kind of full chest, but they want a good taper in their back, real small waist. They want like sweeping quads, but they do not want to over thicken their lower back, their midsection or core. Um, They have uh, a history. Well, just uh, it's weird. I'm being odd because I don't want to share too many details. They have a fear. Let's say it that way. There's a reason that they fear having too thick of a midsection and they don't want to look blocky. They want to really look, uh, not slim, but it's a, a look that most people, if you think, if you're familiar with bodybuilding, there's men's bodybuilding, like open bodybuilding, Mr. Olympia. Then there's what's called a classic physique, which would be bodybuilders who have more of an aesthetic look. They want a small midsection, like an X frame, wide shoulders, small waist, wide quads. Whereas in men's bodybuilding, they want that X frame, but they don't mind if everything's a little huge. So even if their obliques are kind of big, their ab walls are kind of big, they're just freaking, you know, massive 24 inch arms on stage, 0% body fat, just massive, massive. So this, this client wants more of like a classic physique, something that looks like what a bodybuilder probably back in the 70s would have looked like. So that's their, their goal. Now, they train 
clients 30 to 40 hours a week, sometimes a little bit more. They do extra work with some online clients, and then they run a business. So they, they also host a couple other trainers at their facility, and they're also fitting in their own training. So they're doing everything, everything under the sun. And one of the struggles they're having, which is what prompted them to reach out and work with me, was they, they were just feeling beat up, sore, tired. They weren't growing. They kind of felt stagnant and stuck. And whenever we started talking, realized they just weren't eating enough. They were so overwhelmed with everything they had going on. They weren't eating enough calories. They weren't eating enough protein due to the busy schedule and due to their fear of gaining uh, unwanted body fat and losing that aesthetic look. So I help them just say, hey, this is an okay amount of food to eat. You're allowed to eat this. It's okay to eat this. And then I help them pick the food timing and the types of foods that they're able to get in throughout the day, even though they're busy. So to account for those nutritional factors, uh, in their training, we've included a mixture of short and long rest periods in their training to get in enough volume, but to not have his workouts take too long. Now, the reason why I'm, I'm bringing him up is he, he brought to me a post in which somebody said that chasing the pump, like training with a pump, doesn't grow muscles at all. And it's like, well, hold up, hold up. <laughs> what makes you think that? So, for example, their workouts are built around uh, variable rest times with variable rep ranges. One of his workouts, for example, is a chest workout. We start with a circuit of band Cuban press. If you don't know what any of these things are, you can pause the podcast and maybe do a YouTube search. But a Cuban press is actually for uh, shoulder, just health. You could call shoulder mobility, but it's also stabilization and strength. It's also the lower traps. Um, there's a lot of just thoracic and postural improvement with Cuban press when it's done right. So we're doing that as a way to kind of like warm up the shoulders and prep uh, his his upper body four presses. It's actually kind of like prehab built into a lot of press work. Then he does dumbbell standing lateral raises. I know that's not chest, but we have shoulder uh, raises in his programming three times a week because we really want to get shoulder width. So we're prioritizing that with higher frequency but lower volume. And then he does uh, chest flies, specifically uh, flat with thumbs in. So he, instead of your palms facing each other, his thumbs are pointing towards each other. He's going to do that for 8 to 10 reps, nice slow controlled motion, definitely not max effort weights, but just a nice getting a good stretch, good squeeze. And then he goes 8 to 10 with his thumbs pointing in, then he rotates to palms facing for another 8 to 10. Um, so for example, he might do that with 20 pounds and then 25, then 30. And that might be his first three you know, sets for the day. So we do a circuit of that, three sets of everything. Then we go into a pairing, like a superset of cable crossovers from a high pulley into deep dumbbell decline chest press. This is going to be very similar uh, pathways. The cable crossovers from a high pulley are going to mimic very similar to a decline press, but it's almost like a decline fly. And then I have him going into a dumbbell decline press. So the, the cable crossovers, he's doing 16 to 20 reps, and we call it about 8 RPE, so rate of perceived exertion means an 8 out of 10 intensity. So I want him to do something 16 to 20, but he could definitely do a few more reps if he pushed it. But what we want him to do is feel full in his chest, feel good stretch, feel good pump. And then when he goes into the presses, the, the weight of the presses is actually going to help kind of pull open that pump. It's, it's going to create cause uh, extra stretch 
damage, stretch damage in the in the chest muscles because they're already pumped before we go into the decline press. And the decline press, we're doing sets of 8 to 12. And I, I told him I wanted to favor into the heavier end of that range, so more like 8 to 10. But if he's having trouble making a j weight jump, you know, go to sets of 12 before you try to bump up in weight. I don't want him going too low. Uh, for example, sets of 6, he's just going to have a hard time getting the weight in place, uh, rather more so than he would pressing it. So... The cable crossovers, high pulley, 16 to 20 reps with a couple reps in the tank, going for a pump. And then the dumbbell decline chest press, that's at 8 to 12, whatever weight he can do. Like, whatever the heaviest he can do, but I know it's not going to be as heavy as he possibly could do because he's doing the cable crossovers right before it. Now, the circuit with the Cuban press, the lateral raises and the flies, we're just doing two-minute rests. And then the circuit with the crossovers and decline chest press, we're doing three-minute rests. Then we finish with a machine chest press. His uh, gym actually has a pretty good chest press machine. Um, I, have, I want him to find a weight that he can do for max effort, a set, of sets, uh, a set of 12 to 16 reps. And then he does five sets of that weight with only one minute rest in between. So maybe he gets 16, he rests one minute, and then he gets 14, rests one minute, gets 13, rests one minute, only gets 11, rests one minute, then gets like eight, something like that. So he's not going to get as many reps per set because one minute isn't a complete rest time. Then he rests two to three minutes and then just goes all out on the same weight. So maybe all of a sudden he can get a full 16 again or 14 or 15. So five sets with one minute rest, then he has a three minute rest, then an all out full failure set. That's his whole workout. So we have two circuits, then the machine flies, then he's done. The rest periods that we use vary between 1 minute rest, 2 minute rest, and 3 minute rests. The rep ranges are anywhere between 8 to 20 like in total. You know, some exercises are specifically 8 to 12, other ones are specifically 16 to 20, but the span in which we're, we're using, the range in which we're using, is all the way from 8 to 20 reps. Now, for some exercises, there's a heavier weight load, but the majority of the program is built around creating sheer force damage and metabolic damage, like pump-style damage, with lower than maximal effort weight loads. This reduces wear and tear on connective tissue. It reduces CNS recovery demand. It reduces the fatigue he feels from the workouts, and it shortens his recovery time. This allows him to grow, but to only need 40-minute workouts, still has energy for his job, and doesn't have to eat excessively more food when we're already struggling to eat enough food. Now, when he came across the Instagram post in which the uh, creator of that post said muscles do not grow from short rest periods with moderate weight loads, which is what the pump is, he was a little worried. He's like, oh no, <laughs> is what I'm doing working. I very quickly reminded him, dude, we've been working together for three months. You look freaking jacked and you know you're growing. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but he's like, I'm still freaking out. So we take photos and even just, uh, we take photos every four weeks. Uh, we're in our, we're in the middle of, I think, uh, we have three full sets of photos. So we have the beginning photos, photos at week four, photos at week eight, oh, and week 12. So we're week like 14, 15 or something of working together. Um, we've already seen growth. He has already added a couple pounds without feeling any like um, body fat gains. Uh, he, he's looking good. He, he knows it's working, but he just freaked out. <laughs> freaked out a little bit. So uh, he sent me this article. I mean, he sent me the um, 
Instagram post. Now, in the Instagram post, I read through it, and a person references a study by Brad Schoenfeld from 2016. So, as I normally do, I look up the studies, because <laughs> I want to know, you know, if this person's saying this is true, uh, you know, are they right? Uh, and then, if they're right, why are they right? If they're not right, why are they not right? I want to know. Uh, so, the study from Brad Schoenfeld, and there were other people involved, but he would be the fancy name of it. He would be the more recognizable name. Sorry to everybody else. Uh, was a study in 2016 in which they compared short rest periods and long rest periods uh, in how they impacted uh, effects of increases in strength, muscle growth, and muscular endurance. Now, not surprisingly, they found that longer rest periods allowed for heavier weight loads. Yeah. True. Uh, they also found that longer rest periods with heavier weight loads helped improve strength. Yes, a.k.a. powerlifting. <laughs> so that's pretty much what the powerlifting is. But the study also concluded that longer rest periods with heavier weight loads was better for muscle growth. And that's why the creator of the Instagram post referenced that article. They wanted to say, you know, hey, this, this article proves that short rest periods do not grow muscle tissue. Now, uh, that's not entirely true. We want to kind of think through this a little bit. I want to point out a couple things. Uh, reading through the article, there are some considerations that even the authors noted that were limitations of the study. Every study, um, every research article has to have a list of like limitations. Uh, but they, they have some considerations that you would want to think through and acknowledge before you would just extrapolate some blanket statements such as muscles do not grow from short rest periods, which is what the Instagram creator did. Um, so a little bit of a logic flaw here. And when we look through it is, number one, the muscles still grow, they just don't grow as fast. So the shorter rest periods still elicited growth, just not as much as the longer rest periods. Then... The working sets were consistent among both groups. The authors even noted that if the working sets for the shorter rest periods were increased, it could offset some of the difference that they saw in growth. Meaning, okay, if I'm going to do lighter weight loads, maybe I have to do more working sets to equate the same amount of uh, muscle growth stimulus. Yes. Number three, the data is in independent of individual needs. So, for example, this, this client needs growth with minimal nutrition needed, with minimal CNS impact, with shortened workout lengths. Now, if both short rest pump work and long rest heavy work can create growth, but one method meets all of the other individual needs, such as minimal nutrition, minimal CNS impact, shortened workout length, then it would be the best choice. And then you would adjust your programming to maximize that choice. So if pump work is better for you, given your individual needs, you just modify your programming to make pump work better, which would be adding more sets, blending in a little bit of heavier weight loads with the shorter rest periods as much as you can by doing competitive or non-competitive circuits. Uh, there's a lot of programming components that you can use in order to maximize short rest periods and still blend in 
heavier weight loads. Uh, one of the techniques, for example, is getting a submaximal pump before a maximal effort heavy weight. So doing the cable crossovers, not to failure, but to near failure, getting the muscle swollen and pumped with fluid, but then laying down and doing heavy ass chest presses, you're going to create more muscle damage in those chest presses, even though you might only be using 80% of your max weight load uh, compared to non uh, pre-exhausted. The reason why is because since the muscle's already pumped, you're tearing it apart by putting it under that weight load. So you're still creating sheer force damage because the muscle's pre-pumped. So even though the weight load might be, you know, 10, 20% less, you're, you still are going to get a lot of sheer force damage due to that pre-existing uh, pump leading into that movement. So there's a lot, 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 lot that you can do with programming that can allow you to still maximize either training style if one of the training style fits all the individual needs and the other doesn't. So thinking through these three points, um, you know, the muscles still grow, just not as much. Number two, the muscles were, uh, the, the working sets were consistent in each groups. So therefore, if you change the working sets, maybe you change the result. And number three is that there were individual differences. So thinking through those three things, and there would probably be more if we dove deeper into it, but the study does show that if other necessary variables are not violated, it is best to give yourself longer rest periods between exercises so you can maximize weight load used in order to create the greatest muscle growth stimulus. That is true. That's what, that's, that's what they believe that study shows. So when you can, rest long enough that you do not feel limited in weight load used due to fatigue factors such as being out of breath, like cardiovascular stress, uh, your muscles are still burning, don't start the next set if your muscles are still burning. You know, give yourself time to where you feel like, okay, I'm ready and I can do the most weight I could. Now, that might feel good at two minutes or three minutes. You might not need six, seven, eight, nine, ten minutes. I just watched a thing on Mitchell Cooper, uh, Mitchell Hooper, uh, Mitch Hooper, gosh dang. Uh, he's a uh, world's strongest man. Uh, he talked about it, taking 20 minute sets, uh, 20 minute rest between exercises. You don't need to do that. Uh, 20 minutes is a little excessive. Uh, now he talks about it and why he does it. But, you know, if you're doing a couple sets of bicep curls, you do not need 20 minute rest periods in order to be able to use the maximum weight load. Uh, so it's a little variable per exercise, per individual, um, per strength levels. But the idea would be is if I want to use the maximum weight load, what's a rest that's long enough that I don't feel out of breath or that my muscles aren't still burning. And then once that's long enough, I go right into the next work. Now, rest periods can be played with and manipulated in quite a bit, quite a bit of ways. So circuits with non-competing exercises. So for example, our first circuit in his workout is a banded Cuban press, lateral raises, and then chest flies. So even if we have a short rest period between circuits, there's actually longer rest between the chest exercise than what it looks like because the chest is still resting during Cuban presses, it's still resting during standing ladder races. Now, are we competing with cardiovascular uh, challenge? Hopefully not. <laughs> I don't know how to breath, how to breath you get from Cuban presses and ladder races, but hopefully we're not, uh, you know, overexerting um, our cardiovascular stress to where we can't even do the flies. I, all my clients are going to be in better condition than that. Um, but that might look like a short rest period, but if it's non-competing exercises, the rest period is actually longer. 
Then there are other factors you can play with, such as smaller isolation exercises might not need as much rest as larger compound exercises, but yet they both can feel fully recovered between. So some exercises, a minute's enough. Some exercises, three minutes or four minutes might be better, just given the, the totality of the demand of that exercise. So if we pull back and we look at the bigger picture, there are larger factors at play that are likely of greater importance for us to pay attention to, such as 10 to 20 working sets per week for the muscles that you want to grow the most. Uh, working sets should be between 20 to 60 seconds, roughly. Now, there's are cases in which that, you know, can be plus or minus, but in general, we want 20 working sets per muscle group that we want to grow. Working sets should be between 20 to 60 seconds. And working set effort should be up to good form failure. Uh, you don't need to go to total failure. I'm not talking about total failure. Good form failure. Uh, or maybe one rep short. That is good intensity. So that gives you the total volume for the week, the volume per working set, and the intensity per working set. If you're doing those things, that's the higher importance and what we should really be looking at. And then you should consider mixing in a variable uh, amount of like rests. Some rests you might have short, uh, so that way you can get a little bit of a pump effect, warm up some joints, maybe blend in non-competing exercises. Uh, but then you also want to blend in a little bit longer rest periods so you can get heavier weight loads. Uh, but how you mix those into your program is would be you know individual best, whatever's best for you. But paying attention to some pump work here and there to get warmed up or finished off, not bad. Get some heavy stuff in the middle of the workout if you if time permits. That kind of structure. So, can muscles grow from the pump? If you just do like sheer pump work and you focus on just annihilating that muscle, getting it pumped up and making it swole, uh, can it grow from that? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but it's a good idea to mix that in with some heavier weight as well. And we just do that as it best fits your needs, your abilities, and uh, life demands. Okay. So hopefully that was helpful. I thought that was kind of fun to talk through. Uh, that client and I talked through all this stuff um, and they feel content with the fact that they're making great progress so clearly it's working <laughs> so uh that's also the be all end all of it is if you're seeing progress you're doing good um you know continuing to learn more and research things can help make sure that you're getting the most progress possible but if you are seeing progress don't don't freak out too too much you know don't throw uh, the baby out with the bathwater. you know the, um, if you're doing work you're seeing results recognize that you're getting something right and then when you want to add things or tweak things, it's just in addition to what you're already doing well, not that you're screwing everything up and, you know, you're you're a loser or you're getting everything wrong or you're going to fall behind. If you're seeing results, clearly you're doing something right. Okay. If you have any questions, reach out. My email is brutalironjim at gmail.com. If you want to consider working with me, well, I'm offering free 50-minute consultations right now. You can sign up by emailing me or sign up on our website, www.brutalironjim.com. You can go to the one-on-one -on -one services page. There's a link to sign up for the 50-minute consultation. I'd just like to meet you, like to talk to you, find out what your goals are, what your struggles are, and then uh, talk to you about how to overcome them. If you're interested in any of that, just shoot me an email at brutalironjim at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please share the podcast. The more people we share it with, the more people we can help. 
If you like the podcast, please consider donating to support the podcast, which you can do on our website. Also, if you like the information we share in the podcast, you can find more from us on our social media channels. You can find us and follow us on Instagram and YouTube under the name Brutal Iron Jam. As always, I hope this was helpful, and thank you for listening.